Welcome to Go Behind the Ballot, a podcast where two Texas moms go on an educational quest to demystify Texas politics. Join me, Nicole Abshire, and my co-host, Claire Campos O'Neill, as we deep dive into the most burning issues, hear stories from candidates, and offer hope in these challenging political times. Let's saddle up and go behind the ballot. Hey, y'all. Welcome to this episode of Go Behind the Ballot. I'm Claire Campos O'Neill. And I'm Nicole Abshire. Thank you for joining us today. This is our mini episode, our Thursday mini episodes. And we just wrapped up our Culture War series. So if you're curious about what gender identity is or abortion or critical race theory or any of those hot button issues, go back and listen to our previous shows because we provided some incredible content where we spoke to guest experts who really got into the definition of these things and then how they are playing out at the state legislature and like what kind of bills are being impacted by critical race theory and like what actually is our abortion law here in Texas because spoiler alert, Nicole and I we had some misinformation and that one we we mistakenly thought it was one thing and it's really another thing so uh it's we missed the trigger the trigger <laughs> law that took effect it was like oh that's right <laughs> yeah we're like trigger what ah what it's worse than we thought mm-hmm. so um check them out they're great but in this episode we are going to preview our next series where we are going to be talking about food insecurity in Texas And I will share with y'all a little bit about how we came to this. So it's funny because now that, you know, our podcast has been moving and grooving for a while, I think we have like 55 episodes out or something like that. It's pretty amazing. Yay, we've done it. Um, People will ask us, how do you decide on the content that you cover on the series that you're creating? And I was like, well, it kind of naturally feeds into one another. Like we started with public education um, because that's sort of how I came to Run, to, run for office, how I, I guess, came to activism. Um, for me, that's that's something that I always find myself interested in returning to and wanting to learn more about. And then from there, we talked about elections because it was leading up to the November midterm election. And then we transitioned into culture wars because it felt like with the state legislature coming back for their session, the ADA session, a lot of these culture wars ser- issues are going to be you know, the head, the headline on the headlines, front of mind for people. So we're like, let's understand these. And then for this series, it came about because of South by Southwest. So we've said this a few times, but I will share it again for those who need a reminder or are maybe you're listening for the first time. Nicole and I are super excited because we are going to be um, hosting a panel at South by Southwest in the civic engagement track. <clears throat> I'm going to be moderating the panel. Nicole's going to be on the panel, and we're going to have two other fabulous panelists. And we're going to be talking about hunger in Texas. So, Nicole, are you excited? I'm really excited. It always feels funny, right, to try to find the right adjectives to describe how we feel about these things. Yeah. Because, of course, I'm not excited that hunger exists in Texas, but I am excited that we get to shine a light and bring some energy and attention to something that's really important. So... Yes, yeah. I am excited. Yeah. I think of, well, again, hunger in America, the fact that it's so prevalent and pervasive, not happy about. But being a part of South by Southwest, very happy about. The meme that comes to mind for me is the little Kermie where he's like, ah, like that's how I feel about it. I'm very excited. 
so we're going to share a little bit about our panel, and then we're going to share with y'all about some of the episodes we have planned. So obviously, not everyone who listens to this is, is going to be able to make it to South by Southwest. As a matter of fact, this is going to be Nicole and my first time officially attending. We both live here in Austin, and we've gone to some of the free, you know, unofficial events, but this is our first year as like badge holders and real attendees, so it's going to be quite the experience. Super excited about it. Um, so if you are going to be there, let's tell you where to find us. So our panel is going to be Monday, <clears throat> March 13th. From 11.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. And we are going to be at the Hilton Austin downtown. I think this is like right by the convention center. So come find us and listen to our panel. It's going to be incredible. Um, I want to tell you more about how we actually got that opportunity. But Nicole, tell us Will you bit. tell us the name again of the panel? Oh, it's, yes. It's so catchy. The name of the panel is Hunger Games, Who is Winning in Our Broken System? And I guess I'll tell you all the story of how we actually got into South by Southwest, because that's kind of interesting, I think. Um, and maybe for some of you who are like, how do you get into this thing? Um, <laughs> Here's a little bit of a pathway. God smiled at us. Like, I honestly don't know, but we got <laughs> lucky. Um, so Nicole and I, you know, with the show, we're trying to promote it. We're trying to get more listeners. We we want more people to understand politics. So we were thinking, you know, what what's what's something that we can be a part of to really help just like amplify this message, amplify the show and these important topics that we address in the show. And um, I was thinking about this around the time when we were at Trib Fest, which is this awesome festival that the Texas Tribune um news organization puts on where they invite all these politicians. They talk about all kinds of political stuff. Well, Nicole and I went. It's like and, the South by Southwest of politics. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like everybody's there. Like Beto was there. Um, Liz Cheney was there. I mean, even at inter you international name it. Ted politics. Cruz. Mm -hmm. And you just Dave learned Phelan. so Sorry, much. I need to stop. Yeah. Yeah. You <laughs> learned about um, like gerrymandering and about abortion. Um, Public education. Yes, like you name they, it. They cover the gamut. It's it's a it's a well done festival. I think this was in its twelfth year this past year that we went, and I was like, okay, like this is the kind of stuff we should try to do and and get on a stage like this to promote the things that we're talking about. Um, so after that, I was just like googling, like I don't even know what I was googling. Democracy Austin, <laughs> like who knows? Somehow it came across South by Southwest, and they have a civic engagement track where they have conversations about democracy, uh, poverty, inequality, like these important things that we discuss when we think about civics and what it's like to be a you know, civically engaged citizen. So um, I went to my network. I'm a, I'm a member of the Junior League of Austin. And for y'all who don't know what Junior League is, it's this organization, uh, a women's group that promotes volunteerism and leadership skills. And when I joined Junior League, I didn't know that Junior League is actually like, well, I guess historically kind of like for fancy rich ladies who want to volunteer. I didn't know this. I was like, That's I just so love to volunteer. I love that. <laughs> I love that for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the Austin chapter is very, I think it's very much, I mean, this is like from this single singular experience, roll up your sleeves and like, let's get some work done. 
Um, well, but- and I will I will back you up on that. I went to Claire hosted a panel actually for Junior League about politics, and I attended. And I will say that that was for sure the vibe of the room was yeah really people who were interested in serving, and so it was great. Because mm-hmm. like Nicole, maybe you have an experience with junior league but i think other leagues in texas there's like dress codes like you have to be promptly on time for the meetings or they'll shut you out so there are different vibes a lot of them have i would say a reputation as being like a sorority for post-college women it's like that's essentially what they can turn into and that might not be fair but i will just say that that's a little bit of the reputation that we're talking about yeah yeah so i'm like i didn't know any of this it's just like friends Yay! Volunteerism, double yay! Um, and luckily, the Junior League of Austin has all those great things, and I definitely recommend it if you are looking for an opportunity to to volunteer in a in a. It's like very nonpartisan too, so yes, know that as well. But anyway, a big program that our Junior League supports is uh, this initiative called Food and Tummies. It's the Fit program, and Junior League has. Uh, I guess you could say adopted two schools in Del Valley ISD, my school district that I talk about all the time. And um, for the past like 10, 11, maybe even 12 years, we've gone to these schools Friday mornings and we've given backpacks full of food to um, to these children because they have really high free or reduced lunch enrollment. So um, there's a need. Like we know by the numbers that there's high need at these two elementary schools. So this is a program we do during the school year. The volunteers pack the food, bring the food, deliver the food, and like take take our food bins back and do it each Friday. So it's like a well-run machine at this point. So anyway, I'm like, maybe my junior league networks knows of someone at South by who can put us in touch with the right person. And sure enough, a woman that I volunteered with on the food and tummies on the fit program just started working at South by Southwest. And initially Nicole and I were like, can we like do a podcast somewhere somehow in like a little corner of a room? I don't even know what I'm asking. Like, can we do something? And she was like, well, I'm actually in touch with some of the events programming people. Um, and I talked to her about our work with fit, would y'all be interested in doing something around food insecurity? And we were like, we'll talk about whatever you want us to talk about. But of course this, because I, we have that personal experience with it. And Nicole and I are just curious to learn more about anything, anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> politics. Uh, so, so we, you know, submitted our pitch. We went through like, which this- by the way, that was actually a really great process even Mm -hmm. that part was just like oh okay what do we even want to talk about how do we frame this like what what would we what do we think needs to be a part of the conversation Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah I think I think for us a lot of it was our instincts like what do we think the conversation should be about when we talk about food insecurity and for me the first thing that came to mind was this clip from the Hunger Games, which is why our panel is titled Hunger Games, where uh, I'm going to assume y'all are familiar with the Hunger Games, but where Katniss, you know, wins the Hunger Games, her and Peta, her like boyfriend, kind of whatever, her, her, her dude, he wins too. They go to the Capitol for this like post Hunger Games celebration and they're at this feast and there's like all this food and all this extravagance and the Capitol's like bonkers excessive and they're you know just like chatting with some capital people and they're like have some of the snozberries or whatever like the fancy food they eat and Candace is like oh I can't have another bite 
And they're like, oh, that's okay. You just drink this little potion and then you throw up and then you eat some more. And then like Katniss and Peeta go off and dance and they're just like disgusted by this excess excess that they see amongst them at the Capitol when they know back home people are starving. Peeta says something like people are star- here. Um, there's, a, there's so much and in District 12 people are starving. So we thought about this, especially in context of all these events we've been going to where people are talking about the $33 billion budget surplus and Texas is the world's ninth largest economy. We hear these messages of we're this economic powerhouse. Yeah, we're doing so great. And it's like, but uh, are we? Because as we've been learning about this topic more, we know now that one in eight Texans is food insecure. Like there are a lot of people who are falling through those cracks. And that's the thing we want to, um, that's sort of like a counter narrative. We want to highlight that, yes, we are this place of abundance. However, there's a lot of people who are not participating in that abundance. And why is that the case? And tell us some more. Like, what are what are some other thoughts that we had in the beginning? Well, that's exactly right. Yeah. Then we just started asking questions. Like, who who are the stakeholders in all of this? Why does this exist? How is it allowed to continue to exist when it seems as if we have all the resources resources we could possibly need? We also then started to think about what role then do non-governmental agencies play in this? Like, is there some sort of saviorism involved? Um, What, yeah, just what does it all mean? What does it add up to? And how can this persist in in these times? And, And, oh, and then also, of course, one of our major questions was, why does this feel so invisible to us? Mm -hmm. How, how have we been able to sort of move through our lives without kind of pausing and giving real deep thought to this before now? Yeah, no, yeah, that's a great way to put it. Um, it does feel really invisible, which we're still trying to figure out what's that all about. And as we're going to be getting into this series, we're we're also realizing that the media is such an important, I guess, power player in this narrative, in this conversation. Um, because when it feels, because the media is just like, it either rises above or kind of falls to the background. And right now it feels so much in the background. However, we have been learning that when the pandemic happened, uh, that the crack started to show and we started to see the real need people have, that razor's edge that so many people are living on. And it makes us curious, like, is maybe now a moment where we might do something about like systemic poverty, about food insecurity, about about these systems that perpetuate this state of precarity, because we are seeing that um, it's only, it, well, it seems like it's only when activism and the media and all these things sort of collide that the public wakes up and says, we need to do something about this. Uh, so we're excited. We have some incredible guests who are going to be talking to us about this. So should we talk about a few of those guests, Nicole? <clears throat> Let's Sorry, do well, and I wonder, do we want to sort of um, play pretend or do we want to acknowledge that we've recorded the bulk of the episodes? So we've had these yeah. conversations. <clears throat> we haven't recorded our minis for any of these yet, um, which we're, I'm excited. I mean, the minis will be great because we will go further and go a little bit deeper after we have the conversation with our guests. Um, Wait, and can I plug our minis? I know we yes. haven't even necessarily decided what they're exactly going to be this time around, but I know that we've both been holding back a little bit of some of our personal stories 
um, that I feel like is probably going to come out during mm. the mini recordings because as we've hinted at so far, for sure, deciding to do this panel or getting the opportunity to do this panel has made Claire and I really reflect on some things. And we've both recognized that within our family structures, we've actually been, um, how do I want to say, sort of like adjacent to food insecurity and mm-hmm. hunger. And this has made us really reflect on that. So I think, I don't know where it will fall, but I would imagine that in our minis, somewhere we will find the right time and place to share those personal stories. Yeah. Yeah. We really, yeah. I mean, because it, which, Oh, by the way, yeah. Should I not interrupt you? But I'm just going to say, like, I feel like that also speaks to this issue at large also, which is that I think what happens, this is my own opinion and theory is that once you sort of achieve a level of stability and, comfort financially, it's very tempting and very easy to sort of not look back. And I think for me, that's a lot of what I'm realizing is that because I'm in a different place in my life now than I was previously, I really hadn't associated kind of any of this precarity with my own life um, because it seems so long ago. Mm, But I mm -hmm. think it's really important And this has really shown me that it's important to sort of stay in touch with that Mm. and recognize that just because I no longer have that experience, that it is still very present for a lot of people. Right. And I'm sure a lot of people that we're close to, closer to, and we don't really realize the extent of that. I mean, precarity is kind of the best word we can think of to describe this, that sort of on the razor's edge, just like a living, um, you know, paycheck to paycheck, like, but, but in like a long, like in a long-term way, not in like a, oh, this month it's going to be tough, but I'll, I'll be fine once I get back on track. It's, it's sort of this like continual precarity. Um, yeah. And I mean, and even talking about this, this series and our past histories, it will, I'm sure we'll have some mini episodes where we talk about how our families benefited from these government programs and, it's, it's great because we talk to a, we're going to be talking to an, a historian in this series and how it's like, well, what if those programs weren't there? What would my life look like now? Because my parents weren't able to access, you know, the food that they needed at the time or the government housing or whatever it was. Um, so, yeah, it's it's really interesting how this series is making us reflect back on the history of food hunger in Texas, but also our own histories, maybe not our own individual, you know, um, personal, my personal, but my family's, you know, that like, like you're saying, like that adjacent sort of secondary family history. What is that about? And how is that informing the way I relate to food or my, my mom might, or my grandma, like it's these things that we just put out of mind. And it's like, why, why do we do that? So it's going to be good to get into, I mean, it's not ready. Sorry. It's going to be good folks. You're going to want to make sure you listen to this. I really Um, think, yeah, it will open people's eyes and hearts and minds to something that again may not be top of mind but is something that we all ought to be paying attention to yeah this is a great time to pay attention to it because as we met as i mentioned texas has a 33 billion dollars or plus i mean uh like there's so much money like, there's our like this big pot of money that's going to go to something so Let's maybe introduce the idea of it going towards those who need it the most. 
because that's not who we're hearing. No, as 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 a, as a, as a beneficiary. Nope. No, means. it's always about bringing relief to <clears throat> folks who already have. <laughs> right when we talk about property tax relief, like those folks already have the privilege of owning property. You know, that's that's, that's a big deal. Yeah. And the other thing too, like I'm just having this thought, Nicole, is, um, <clears throat> you know, I've been talking, of course, to my husband, like my sister about this series and the things that we're learning. And my sister is a dietitian and she works with folks who um, have like SNAP benefits or WIC benefits, I mean, all kinds of different patients. And I was just telling her about <laughs> We're going to talk about this most likely in a, in a mini, but the documentary we watched called Hunger in America, this was came out in 1968, and it really showed you hunger in America, like children severely malnourished. They show it to you. They're very direct. They're not like, they don't shy away from it. And I'm telling her about watching this documentary, and I'm like, wow, it's so amazing that we have these programs now because children were like, like babies were dying from malnutrition. It's unreal. And she was like, yeah, you know, sometimes I have my patients come and um, they're not fortunately to that state, but, but they're, there's a lot of kids, there's a lot of mouths to feed. It's, she talks a lot about, you know, nutrition and how to have a healthy diet. And she knows that they're limited because of their budgets and what they can and can't access. And she was like, I just realized how fortunate I am sometimes after I have these one-on-one conversations with my patients. And it makes me realize, um, yeah, I mean, just how privileged we are. And it's so easy to be like, I want more, more, more. You know, it's kind of like the American ethos, it feels like. But it's like, we're good, you know, we're so, we're so good. And more people should be in that place. Exactly. If we could just spread out the abundance, right? Yeah. And this isn't designed to make us feel bad or feel overly guilty. It is just to bring awareness and maybe start to th- rethink how we view plenty <clears throat> and how we view abundance and realizing that um, we could bring more stability to more people mm-hmm. and still maintain a really lovely way of life. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's do a quick rundown of some of the guests we have scheduled so far. So we are going to be kicking off this series with Adam Johnson, who is the co-host of a really fantastic podcast called Citations Needed. Um, Adam was a great person for us to speak to about this because his podcast really looks at the way media influences our public policy, the public perception of things. So we were just curious about what is what do you see as our perception of hunger and how is the media structured that narrative? And um, Adam is so smart. He's like very heady. Uh, you can tell there's like a lot of things going on in his brain at once. And he reads a lot. And I'm just like, I need to stop watching so much TV and probably go read more. Um, but he just laid a really good foundation to introduce this conversation and pulled at a bunch of different threads. So I appreciated that he spoke with us. And if you want to sort of like level up, I would definitely listen to his podcast because they talk about all these things that lead to the state of precarity many Americans find themselves in, whether it's, um, you know, house, houselessness. Is that how we say it? Yes. I, yes, I think that is correct. Right. <laughs> yeah. This is a discussion for another time, right? But yes, I think yeah, it whether is it's... officially unhoused or houselessness or yes. Yeah. 
I want to try to use the correct language. And we talk about language in this series about, is this food insecurity? Is this starvation? Is this hunger? What is it? Because uh, words matter and they carry different connotations with them. Um, but they talk about, you know, people who are unhoused, about hunger, about um, labor and capitalism and all these things that create this system that we currently live in. So highly recommend that episode and his podcast. Um, and then Nicole, tell us about one of our other guests. So we are, we also spoke to, I'm trying to think of where to go next, um, but <laughs> Lawson Picasso, who is well, she's a lot of things, right? She is an advocate. She has a lived experience uh, being food insecure and being unhoused. She um, is a Texan. She lives in San Antonio. She's a really great voice for really showing what this issue looks like now for many people. And she helped me really understand how this exists with such invisibility. I think that the way that she shared her story really made me see, oh, you could be in relationship with somebody and potentially have no idea the way that they're struggling. Mm -hmm. And so she was, she's such a great person for really demystifying, I think, what precarity looks like now. She's not in that position now, but it wasn't that long ago. So. Mm -hmm. And she also recently presented at the White House Conference on Hunger, Nutrition, and Health. This was um, an event that the Biden administration held, and we came to learn in this series that there's only been two White House conferences on, uh, well, previously it was called Food, Nutrition, and Health that Nixon hosted back in 1969. Um, So it was quite an event that they pick this back up and that she was able to attend and share her testimony to the politicians there. So she is very much in this advocacy role, trying to bring awareness to, to the problem and share her experience, which is so important because it's like, you know, better than anyone, what worked and what didn't work, where we should put our attention, you know? So, so it's really important that we make sure when we talk about these things that we have that whole um, understanding of what it's like. Um, Yeah. So she is incredible. Um, Another person that we talked to for this series was Celia Cole, who is the CEO of Feeding Texas. And Celia has been doing this work for 25 years, this work of fighting hunger. Um, And Feeding Texas, for y'all who don't know, it's a nonprofit organization. And they are sort of the, um, I think they're like the organization that helps organize food banks around Texas. Like, I think they're like the above and then they like, does this sound good? Yes. No, that's exactly right. <laughs> There's 21 food banks in Texas and Feeding Texas is the, the um, I can only think of the most ridiculous words. This is what you were struggling with. I was like, the, is the <laughs> overlord of the food banks. That's not how we want to put it. Um, but yes, they're like the, the food bank that is the umbrella. How about that? Yes. They're the umbrella for the 21 food banks in the state and help coordinate efforts and advocate on behalf, I think, of of all the food banks. And so, yes. Yes. Um, so she does a lot. So, so she helps provide that immediate relief for people who need food, but she also does advocacy work. And she just understands the complexities of this issue. Um, so she's going to be great for y'all to listen to. And she's, gonna, she's going to be on our panel as well as Lawson. Um, so tell us about our last 
panelists, Nicole. So, well, last for now. We could add some more at the end. We could add some more. And also, we don't know what order we're going to release these in, necessarily. We have some things that we're pretty sure of. Um, but we were fortunate enough to get to talk to Dr. Lori Green, who is a UT professor who has a book that she is currently working on. In fact, she's working so hard on it, she couldn't be on the panel. But it is about hunger in America. Um, and I'll let Claire share the title. Oh, let me see if I have it handy. Um, yes, I do. Okay, so her book that she's working on is called The Discovery of Hunger in America, A Site of Public Crisis of Race, Health, and American Democracy. And uh, she's such a wealth of knowledge. But I think what's really interesting about the conversation we're, we have with her and the things she makes me think about is this idea of discovering, like, quote, discovering hunger. Like, oh, I never, like, it's been there. But the discovery being when it becomes top of mind for politicians, for the public, how that discovery that's when it leads to these big changes that we see in policy. And there's people behind the scenes pushing it. And it's just like this, um, con, con, what's the word? It's just this like crashing of events that makes it rise to the top. And I just keep wondering, like, how do we make that happen again? And she would probably say, you can't like plan history. I don't know what she would say. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what she would say either. But what I, well, I, I think one thing that she would talk about, which has been super eye-opening for me and what you just alluded to is the idea that there are always activists behind the scenes. And so, yes, these things rise to the surface and it almost seems accidental or by magic. But the truth is that there is nine times out of 10, there's going to be a trail of the work of activists that made that possible. So Mm -hmm. really, that was such a big light bulb moment for me. Uh, learning that from, I just call her Lori. I just made her my yeah. friend, but Dr. Green <laughs> is maybe how I should address her. Yeah. And we can't wait for her book when she finishes it and it comes out because we know it's going to be incredible, um, especially just from the conversation that we were able to have for the podcast. Well, and we so, got to read a chapter that she contributed to somebody else's book about the war on poverty that talks mm-hmm. about hunger in Memphis specifically. And I mean, it was so educational and important. Mm -hmm. Yes. And she's shared other articles with us that she helped contribute to. So it's, I get the impression she's just very generous with sharing her knowledge. We appreciate that because that's how we get it out to everybody else is by having the experts guide, guide the way for us. Um, So we're really excited about this series. And if y'all are listening to this mini and you're like, Ooh, you know what you're missing or what blind spot you might have, let us know. Because in this discovery ourselves, as we're discovering food insecurity in Texas, I kind of hate to say it, but that feels like what's happening. Um, new things are, we're, we're, lights being shined on new things, but I'm sure there's something we just don't even notice. So let us know what we might be overlooking because we want to have a holistic conversation and cover as many bases as we can. For sure. And I think that we also are really, really recognizing that when people can speak for themselves, that is our hope and goal. So wherever we can give a platform to folks who want to speak on behalf of their own issues, which is why we were so grateful to have Lawson, um, we that's something that's important to us. 
mm-hmm. not talking about people, but letting speak for them, letting people speak for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, folks, coming to the end of the show, but don't forget to leave us a review. If you're loving our content, we really appreciate that. And you can sign up for our newsletter at our website, gobehindtheballot.com, where we share kind of a recap of the show and some of our hot takes from from the conversations that we've had with our guest experts. And it's just a great way to kind of keep tabs on what we're discussing. Um, Because sometimes you might not have 30 minutes or an hour to listen, but you might have three minutes to read our newsletter real quick Uh, and share with a friend. Please share. Be like, hey. Do you know what's happening at the Capitol? You don't? Well, they'll tell you what's happening. Exactly. Yes, yes, yes. Sharing is caring. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for listening. We will talk to you very soon. Thank you, everybody, for joining me, Nicole Abshire, and my co-host, Claire Campos O'Neill, on Go Behind the Ballot. Hopefully, we've demystified some little portion of Texas politics, and we hope that you'll do more with us. Check out our website at www.gobehindtheballot.com, where you'll find links to all of our social media, and you will find our community. Let's join together and do more. We hope you'll let us know what is working, and we hope you'll join us next week. Thanks, everybody, and have a good one.